with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And that last phrase, make straight your paths, or make your path straight, or he'll tell you which way to go, however your translation renders it, we discovered that it ultimately means that he'll take us on a roundabout way that ends up in the right direction. So we discover that God is just as interested in our journey as he is in our destination. And sometimes he has to take us on a very roundabout way in order to point us in the right direction. God's plans are often not our plans. His ways tend to be at times not our ways. But we can trust in him. And we need to be willing to go on the journey that is necessary in this life in order for us to become the people that he has created us to be. So this morning, continuing to look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. Again, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this week, we, we kind of zero in on the name Mighty God. That name speaks of the the power of accomplishment. First of all, it is a declaration and a statement of deity. The baby that was born in the manger was not just the Son of God. It was God, the Son. And so, which means all of the fullness of God dwells within the Lord Jesus Christ. And that can never be said of anyone other than our Lord. Now, there's something very important about this title And that comes from the word mighty. The word translated mighty is the Hebrew word gibor, G-I-B-O-R. That word gibor means the strong one, the powerful, the valiant one. It means a, a conquering warrior, so to speak. And so we see this word used throughout the scriptures. I'll put some of them on the screen behind me, we see this word used to describe the soldiers of Israel in Joshua chapter 8. In verse number 3, it says, So Joshua and all the fighting men arose to go up to Ai, and Joshua chose 30,000 Gabor men of valor. Mighty, it's the same word, and he sent them out by night. This is uh, also the same word that was used to describe Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 51. It says, Then David ran and he stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. That word champion is the word gavor. It's also uh, found in 2 Samuel chapter 23 uh, to describe uh, King David's uh, top soldiers. It says that they were, uh, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Same word, that word mighty. And then it's also used to describe our Lord as being mighty in battle. You'll see in Psalm chapter 24, verse number 8, it says, Who is uh, this King of glory? The Lord. Strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So this term, mighty God, is actually a military term. 
It's talking how Jesus is the, the, the powerful warrior who would become known as mighty God, the valiant, the, the undefeated champion, the, the, the greatest warrior of all that would not only come to win, would also come and fight for his people. Jesus is the mighty God. Now that's a great truth that we need to hold on to. With that truth comes great promises that I'll show you in Scripture. But say it with me, Jesus is the mighty God. Jesus is? Now do you believe that Jesus is the mighty God? Because when you have Jesus as mighty God in your life, then you'll have the power, the confidence, the peace to face whatever circumstance that you're up against. Now, you take these first two names and we discover, you know, what do we have? Well, as wonderful counselor, he makes the plans. As mighty God, he makes those plans work. And that's awesome. All of God's wonderful plans will be carried out with all of God's infinite might because he is the mighty God. Now, from this statement of fact, we can discover some truths about what it means for God to be uh, the mighty one. And so let me give you the first one. First of all, we know that he has the power to protect us. As, as mighty God, he has the power to protect us. I'm going to read to you a passage that comes from 1 Peter chapter 1. It's not going to be on the screen behind me. So if you want to turn there, I would encourage you to do so. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to give you four truths about what it means for us for God to be the mighty God. And this first truth means that he has the power to protect us. We see this in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll begin in verse number 3. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. We have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Verse 5. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So God is protecting us. He's protecting us until we receive this ultimate and final, final salvation. It goes on to say, look at verse number 6. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have not seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your soul. As mighty God, he protects us. 
And so we, we know in verse number six that, that we are to be truly glad that there's wonderful joy ahead, even though we face the trials and troubles of today. So just because we face hardships or difficult moments and seasons of life doesn't remove the promise of what's to come. And as mighty God, he's protecting that and he's protecting us so that ultimately we can see the fullness of salvation being played out in all of our lives. So as mighty God, he has the power to protect us. And then as mighty God, he has the power to finish his work in us. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6, it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't it awesome that God always finishes what he starts, especially the salvation of his people? I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again because it's worth understanding that there are actually three tenses of salvation. There's the past tense, there's the present tense, and then there's the future tense of salvation. Let's work through those real quickly. So the past tense of salvation means that we have been saved from the penalty of sin. That the fancy or the theological word that we use for that is the word justification. So when we put our faith and trust in Christ the Son, that we've been saved. At that point, we've been justified. The penalty of sin has been removed from our lives. But you got to understand that there are three elements to justification. The first element is that of the forgiveness of sins. Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse number 9, The promise is that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. So so that salvation means that we've been saved from the penalty that our sin deserves. So we've been justified. And so those, those elements of justification begins with the forgiveness of sins, and then there's this removal of guilt. Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8, Verse number one, it says, therefore, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ. The guilt has been removed. They are no longer condemned. So there is the forgiveness of sins. There's the removal of guilt. And then there's the imputation of righteousness that happens. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21, that God made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might receive or have the righteousness of God. So so what does it mean to be justified or the past tense of salvation? It means that we have been saved from the penalty of sin, which means that we have received the forgiveness of sin. The removal of guilt has occurred in our lives, and the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been credited to our account. And so now we have the right to approach God, to be in his presence, not because of anything good that we've done on our own, because we can't be good enough. And in fact, goodness isn't a requirement to be in front of God perfection is so none of us are perfect but the perfect 
righteousness of Jesus Christ is now imputed to us, is now credited to us because of our faith in Him. So there's this past tense of salvation. But there's also the present tense of salvation, which means that I am currently being saved from the power and the practice of sin. That word is called sanctification. So there are also three aspects to sanctification. Let me give you those real fast. There's immediate sanctification that occurs at the moment of our salvation, which means immediately we have been put in a right standing with God at the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So there's immediate sanctification. But then there's also this progressive sanctification. And that progressive sanctification is a lifelong process of growing in holiness and righteousness. It doesn't mean that at the moment of salvation we are perfectly sanctified. No, because we're not. Now we're immediately sanctified and we are on this process of progressive sanctification as we grow in our knowledge of God and of His Word and we begin to apply these things and these principles, these truths into our lives. We grow in Christ-like maturation. And so there's this immediate sanctification, there's this progressive sanctification until there's the ultimate sanctification, which is that final state that will occur when we are fully and completely set apart unto God in heaven for all eternity. So we have the the, the past tense of salvation. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. Not only that, I am being saved in this very moment, day by day, from the power and the practice of sin. And then the future tense of salvation says that I will be saved from the very presence of sin. That's also referred to as glorification. So God not only delivers us from the penalty of sin, He not only delivers us from the power and the practice of sin, Ultimately, he will deliver us from the very presence of sin when he takes us home so that we can inherit uh, our, our, our place in, in heaven and, and rule and reign with Christ for all eternity. And so God not only guarantees the completion of our salvation, he is actively involved in our lives to bring this to pass. And so God has the power to protect us, but he also has the power to finish his work in us. God works in our lives much like a a craftsman will work on a finished product. Which means that through this life, God is going to work on on smoothing out our our wrinkles or imperfections. He's going to do whatever is necessary to to sand those rough edges of our life or, or to carefully put the pieces back together because he is creating in us through this process of, of, of growing in, in our sanctification. He, he's helping us to eliminate the old and the ugly and the sinful things in our lives so that we can be smoothed out and presented as an accurate reflection of Jesus Christ. So not only does he begin the work at salvation, he continues to see that work all the way through until its ultimate and final completion. Truth number three, 
that God has the power to provide for us. Sometimes that provision comes in the face of absolute impossibility. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 19, boldly declares that my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God will supply every need of yours. In our Bible study hour before the service, I was unpacking uh, with my class uh, uh, kind of some truths that are connected to this statement. I think that we ought to be encouraged by what we find in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse number 9. And there we're told that the eyes of the Lord search over the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed unto him. That's a beautiful promise. Eyes of the Lord searching among all of us in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And the promise is that he has the power to provide for us. But often, why is it that we don't take our needs and our concerns or our cares or our burdens, our anxieties, why is it that we're not presenting those things to God so that he can move and make those provisions to us in our lives? Like, to be clear, there is no special reward available or extended unto you if you'll make the promise and commitment not to to bother God with your problem doesn't work that way. God doesn't say, hey, if you can just handle life on your own and not bother me, then I've got something really special for you later. That's not not how he works. In fact, quite the opposite is true. And you see it all throughout scriptures. It says in Psalm chapter 55, verse number 22, cast your cares upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Jesus declares in Matthew chapter 11, Verse number 28, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7 says to cast all of your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. So God has the the power to provide for us. Therefore, we ought not let our pride stand in our way of of presenting our needs unto God. And it is a prideful thing that keeps us from crying out to God about the things that concern us or the needs that we have in life. It makes no sense why we would uh, want to not tell God, hey, God, I'm struggling with this area in my life. Or, or I'm, I'm feeling anxious about this decision that I need to make. Help me. Give me the wisdom. Give me the encouragement. Grant me your peace to know what it is that I'm supposed to do. Why would we not do that? The only thing that I can think of is this pride. That we don't want to have to admit that we need help. And, and who are we admitting that we need help from? We're admitting that we need help from the one person who knows absolutely everything there is to know about us. The one person who sees us in our current state and knows that we're struggling, knows that we're hurting, knows that we're stressed, that we're feeling anxious, that we're confused, knows that we have needs, and is 
available, willing, has a desire, has given us an open invitation to approach him with confidence so that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. So we know that we can do that. So why would we not want to do that? The only thing that comes to my mind is pride. Pride keeps us from doing that. Pride keeps us from having to admit that we need help, that we need insight, that we need encouragement, that we need strength for today. But God has the power to provide for us, and he will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So he has the power to protect us. He has the power to finish his work in us. He has the power to provide for us. And then he has the power to take us home. I love this one because he is coming to take us to be with him forever. This world is just temporary. This isn't the final destination for our lives and for our souls. This is just momentary. Scripture tells us in John chapter 14, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so uh, he has the power to take us home, and he's going to take us home in his perfect timing. So we don't have to be overwhelmed with, with this world, because this world is just momentary in light of all eternity. So no matter what it is that we're facing, even as good as it is for you, just know that this goodness that you're experiencing in life is just temporary. It could change at any moment. And if it does change at any moment, don't be overwhelmed. Don't be sad. Don't feel desperate. Just know that God is working something in you and he's taking you on a roundabout way to get you in the right direction so that ultimately he'll take us home to be with him and then we'll go from that uh, immediate sanctification and that progressive sanctification until we ultimately receive the final sanctification of our souls and will be forever set apart with God for his glory. Oh, he is the mighty God. May you be encouraged with Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Listen to these words of affirmation where it says our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I love that phrase, by the power that enables him to bring everything under under his control. Oh, our Lord Jesus is wonderful counselor, but not just that, he is the mighty God. All of God's might contained within our Lord and Savior. So not only does he make our plans, not only is he a wonder of a counselor, he can make those plans work through his infinite might. If we'll just turn to him, trust in him, live our lives in obedience to him. 
And then no matter what it is that you're feeling today, no matter what it is that you're struggling through in this season of life, then you can have confidence in the wonderful counselor and mighty God. Like I wonder, like how many of us in this room are in need of a mighty God in their corner today? Anybody in here facing a mess? Perhaps it's a mess that you've created for yourself, or maybe it's just a mess that's been created for you. Either way, how many in here are in need of a mighty God in your corner today? Anyone in here? You need a mighty God? You need a miracle working God in your life? You need a a, a Satan-defeating God in your life? You need a circumstance-changing God in your life today? Is there anyone here that needs to get on the scene and apply your kind of power in my life kind of God today? Jesus is mighty God. All of our confidence rests in Him. It's not in us. We are nothing. What we have is all because of who He is. So if you're discouraged, if you're frustrated, if you're weary today, turn to him. Bring it to him. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And then walk and live your life in the full confidence to know that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together, church. Father, there are many of us who are in need of the mighty God showing up on our behalf. And Father, we know that Jesus is the mighty God. That not only does he make those plans, but he makes those plans work. So Father, help us to, to turn to him fully and completely with our hearts and with our lives. As Christmas approaches, May we not be distracted by the things that are trivial, but may we be focused on the greatest truth there is to be celebrated in this season, and that is that Jesus Christ entered into our mess to bring us hope, restoration, salvation. So God, help us to keep our eyes upon your Son. Help us to live a life of full obedience in accordance to your word. And whatever else is happening around us, uh, may we be at peace with what you're doing within us. God, may we walk faithfully in our relationship with you. May we live trusting you, having full confidence in you. And in this moment of invitation, Father, for sins that need to be confessed and repented from, from decisions that need to be made and celebrated, like joining a church or seeking baptism or or making professions of faith in, in the wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, whatever needs to happen in this time, oh, Father, may your will be accomplished. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.